And fourthly, to teach us how to walk supernaturally on the water in the middle of a perfect storm. When God gave me that word last week, it was very instant. I woke up Saturday morning, title was there, the whole body, the text, everything was there in my head. In fact, I'm hearing it preached in my head. My spirit is hearing it preached, and I'm getting excited as I'm hearing that sermon preached. As I meditated on that message, I feel like the Spirit of the Lord was continuing in giving me more thoughts and more words. And so this morning, I want to preach to you a message I've called unshakable. We are coming to times that are shakable, but God's kids are meant to be unshakable in a shakable world. Can I get an agreement? I want more. Okay, I'm sorry. I want more. Can I get an agreement? You see, why would I insist on that? Because the preacher wants you to to, to pat him on the back or just respond at a command? No. I want more. I want more of an amen because I want you to mentally and emotionally be in agreement that you are designed and purposed by God to be unshakable in a shakable world. So I didn't ask for an added amen because that's what the preachers do or because that's the religious thing or because we just want emotion or uh, enthusiasm breaking out in the crowd. No! It's a lot more practical than that. It's a lot more realistic than that. And I don't want your amens out of religious ritual. I want your amen because you understand and you agree and you are going to grit your teeth and tell the devil to go to hell. Amen. Absolutely. I want to... One morning this week, now I told you, after God downloaded the message last Saturday, he continued to give me words. And you know, as a preacher, you're asking yourself, okay, that can preach, but is that what God wants to preach? Am I just now journeying on from the word of the Lord, or is this what God is encouraging me to speak this coming Sunday? And so I'm in the morning prayer meeting, as is our custom, thank God. And I thank God there's quite a number who, have, who are free to be able to come at that time and, and join us in prayer every morning. Praise God. I, I, just, I just appreciate it. I know many of you are on your way to work and you can't be here. I thank you for a life of prayer. I thank you for being committed to prayer because prayer is our dialogue with the God of the universe, the only true God. There's only one. Amen. And so here I was in prayer and I turned to Pastor Jan. Sometimes in the prayer meeting, you know, we, I said, well, what's God saying to you? So I turned to Pastor Jan and she said, well, God's given me a scripture. Now, you have to understand something. Uh, At that very moment, I was talking to the Lord and saying, okay, these thoughts that are in my mind, is this what you want me to preach or is this just me as a trained preacher? You know, the word you gave me last Sunday, 
I can add to it. I hear things. Or is this you? And uh, I turned to Pastor Jan, and that was my private prayer. That's what was going on inside me. And I said, Pastor Jan, what's God saying to you for this morning for the prayer meeting? And so she says, well, God's given me Acts chapter 14, verse 21 to 22. I said, well, read it. And so I'm going to read it to you. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. And my mouth dropped and I just smiled because this happens often. Iron sharpens iron. At times, you know, my pastors will repeat to me or say something to me that is the very thing I'm talking to the Lord about. And so confirmation comes constantly by the Spirit through willing vessels. And I looked at her and I said, you know, it's interesting you would read that verse uh, because it touches on things that I feel that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me and just Moments ago, I was thinking and praying, God, is this where you want me to go next Sunday? You bring up the scripture. Well, the following day, that was Tuesday morning, Pastor Jan runs a prayer meeting Tuesday night. And one of the ladies in the prayer meeting was praying thoughts very similar to Acts 14, 21 to 22. And so when she finished praying, Pastor Jan said, you know, Uh, God gave us what you were praying. We prayed it in the morning prayer meeting. Have I got this correct? And uh, she said, uh, and God gave us a scripture. You were praying along the very lines, the very subject matter that God spoke in the prayer meeting. And uh, the lady said, oh, where's the scripture? I'll turn to it in my Bible. And Pastor Jan said, Acts chapter 14, 21 to 22. And the lady uh, opened her Bible And it opened to that very scripture. The confirming word of the Lord. And so I'm going to read it again. Here are the Paul and Luke and those that were with him. And Luke writes, they preached the gospel in that city. The city was the city of Derbe. And they won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true in the faith. Be constant. Be firm. Stick to your faith. We'll go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said, but stay true to your faith. That word hardship in the Greek, comes from the word thalipsis. That's the Greek word, thalipsis. And it literally means tribulations. So the apostles were encouraging fellow Christians that they had discipled and they said, listen, we're going to go through tribulations. Stick to your faith. Faith is a shield. Faith is a shield. Faith is about knowing who God is and knowing that God's character is absolutely trustworthy. And when we surround ourselves with this faith that God 
makes darkness tremble. That God loves us and height nor depth or width or powers of darkness can separate us from God's love. When we understand who God is and we understand the relationship he maintains with us. That's faith. It's out of that that comes statements of faith and actions of faith. It's out of that understanding that the miracles to be healed, to be delivered, to see supernatural things take place in our lives. It comes out of knowing how awesome, how tremendous, how big God is and the relationship he is committed to having with us. Out of that is where we derive faith. And so Paul is telling these disciples, look, you're going to go through uh, tribulation. You're going to go through difficulty. The word hardship is thalipsis. It means tribulation, persecution, affliction, distress. Something that Christians don't think about often. We live inside the kingdom of God. In Colossians, Paul makes it very clear, as he does in many of his epistles, that we have been translated, we have been beamed up, we have been released, we've been set free from the kingdom of darkness. Who has control over the kingdom of darkness? Satan, right? He, that's his kingdom. And we've been taken out of his sphere of influence, out of his jurisdiction, out of his control, and we have been brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. And we know from scriptures that the government of this kingdom is on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 9. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And we live inside this kingdom and some of us, we live here in the United States, others who are watching by live stream, and we've had people from around the world watching, from Australia, from Germany, from Africa. Whatever nation you live in, you live in a kingdom in a nation. And so while the kingdom you live in has authority and has power, you live in something even more powerful. Whether you live in Germany, whether you live in France, whether you live in Africa, whether you live in uh, Siberia, or you live in the United States of America, while there is a government to this nation, there is a government to the kingdom of God, and you and I and everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior lives in and under the government of Jesus Christ. And so we live within a kingdom inside of a nation. Now this whole world is governed by the kingdom of darkness. So we live in a kingdom, in a nation, under the kingdom of darkness, but we are self-sufficient and we are totally protected under the governorship of Jesus Christ. While we live in the world, <clears throat> excuse me, while we live in the world, we are not harassed or taken down 
by the God of this world who is coming to nothing. Now listen, as I said at the beginning of this message, I need your agreement, but not to egg me on. Now at times when you get excited, when I'm excited, does it egg me on? Sure. I need your agreement for this. I need your agreement because as you agree, you make mental assent and mental agreement with your thoughts and your emotion, and you come into agreement with God. And when you agree that you live under the kingdom of God, you are allowing the power of that kingdom to surround you. Many Christians are saved with the understanding, I'm on my way to heaven. You need to understand and be very conscious that not only are you on your way to heaven, but the kingdom of God is all around you now. You live in it. And it lives in you, and it is around you, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Jesus said that. So while we live in a world that will at times experience hardship, tribulation, persecution, affliction, distress, in the word, helps word study, it goes on to say, philipsis means pressure. What constricts or rubs together, irritation, friction, used of a narrow place that hems someone in. Have you ever felt hemmed in emotionally or mentally or circumstantially? Have you ever felt hemmed in? All right, that's the definition of tribulation, especially internal pressure that causes someone to feel confined. Have you ever had internal pressure? Has your mind ever played games with you and harassed you? Come on. Absolutely. Most of us are like the rest of us. I can say yes to that. So tribulation encompasses all of these definitions. Now I want to read the same scripture to you in the Message Bible. Uh, it says here, and now the Message Bible is not a literal translation. It is a paraphrase translation. In other words... It isn't interpreted word for word from the Greek to English. It is interpreted thought by thought. And so when you use a paraphrase translation, it's not something you would build doctrine on, but it makes for more contemporary understanding and easy reading. So I'm going to read two paraphrases. The first one is the Message Bible. And this is what it says. After proclaiming the message in the city of Derby and establishing a strong core of disciples, they retraced their steps to Lystra, then Iconium, and then Antioch, putting grit in the lives of the disciples. I like that. Putting grit in the lives of the disciples. You see, the thing that's going to make you unshakable in a shakable world is the faith that's based on the knowledge of who God is and who God is to you. Amen. And so the, the, Paul and Luke and the disciples, the apostles, went around putting grit into the disciples, the believers. 
we know that we've been having turbulent times. Jesus said that men's hearts would fail them for fear. We have been facing difficult times, and I'd love to say it'll never happen again. But by the Spirit of the Lord, I can promise you, terrible times will happen again and maybe get worse. But the reality is, when we understand who God is and that he makes the darkness tremble and we understand what length he went to to make us part of his team, he will never leave us high and dry and he will never abandon us. Can I get an agreement here this morning? Absolutely. They went around putting grit into the disciples. I want to put some grit into you today. I want to give you reasons to be able to dance in the middle of a windstorm. I want to give you reason to shout and be happy in the middle of a perfect storm. I want to give you reason to stand up and say, I will fear no evil. The Passion Bible, which is another paraphrase translation, takes this scripture, and this is what it says. After preaching the wonderful news of the gospel there and winning a large number of followers to Jesus, they retraced their steps and revisited Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. At each place they went, they strengthened the lives of the believers and encouraged them to go deeper in their faith. And they taught them it is necessary for us to enter the realm of God's kingdom because that's the only way we will endure our many trials and persecutions. Now hear this. It is necessary for us to enter the realm of God's kingdom. So many Christians have had the gospel preached to them to such a base common denominator that all they understand is my sins are forgiven and I am on my way to heaven. If we really understand the gospel of the kingdom of God, you'd understand why God left you here. Because every day you live with the awareness of the gospel of the kingdom of God, you are a threat and a menace to the hordes of hell. Amen. Amen. He didn't just save you a broken sinner. No, he came to you when you were a sinner. He saved you, but then he promoted you. He adopted you and made you sons. In fact, he didn't just make you an heir. He made you a co-heir together with Jesus Christ. And to seal it and to settle it, he raised you up above the authority of the God of this world and sat you in the heavens with the authority of the God of the universe. And you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus and all the powers of darkness are under his feet and you are the body and he is the head. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. 
And so I love the way the Passion Bible writes this and says, it is necessary for us to enter into the realm of God's kingdom. I said that many of you have been preached of the lowest common denominator of salvation. You've, been, you've heard the gospel of salvation. We don't often hear the gospel of the kingdom of God. And the gospel of the kingdom of God is that when you get born again, hell loses authority over you. You are translated into the kingdom of God's son and the government is on the shoulders of Jesus and the government of the kingdom that you were just taken out of no longer has any right, any power, any jurisdiction, any say-so over your life. And so to enter into the realm of his kingdom is to come into the awareness of the totality of your salvation. I'm not just saved from my past sins. I'm saved from the power of the enemy and I am saved from the kingdom of darkness on earth as I journey through this life under the authority of Jesus Christ. And if you believe it, give the Lord a thank you. So in the world that we live, which is immediately governed by the kingdom of darkness, the god of this world is Satan, the prince of the air is the devil. But in the kingdom of God on earth, which you are a part of, and you need to enter into that realm by strapping your mind with faith that says, greater is he who is in me than the one that's around me in the world. Greater is he who is in me, who holds me in his hand, and the government of my life is on his shoulders. Greater is the one whose name is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, than a fallen created angel who's less in power and stature today than the day he was created. Do you understand your enemy is a created being just like you? Now, you as a natural person don't have the power he has. But do you understand that in comparison to God, he is not only a created being, he is a created and now a fallen being, and he has fallen from his high position and has less power and less authority than he had on the day he was created. Let me ask you a question. If God gave authority to the first Adam, how many of you believe that the first Adam before the fall was stupendous and far superior to who he became after the fall? Absolutely. And why would it be any different than a fallen angel called Satan? He's already less than who he was. And he was at best a created being. How, how does a pot that was on the potter's wheel have greater intelligence and greater power 
than the potter who works the wheel. The enemy's greatest strength is deception. He is a liar. And as a liar, his majesty is in deception. And he comes to deceive Christians and he plays with their mind and he plays with their emotions. Exactly the way he did in the Garden of Eden. And if you don't give him your mind and you don't give him your emotions, he doesn't have any of you. To enter into the realm of the kingdom in this expression is to step into an awareness of who you are. Too often we live through life. We live through life thinking and seeing ourselves as a failure. You need to live through life. Don't just walk through life. Live through life. Understanding who you are because of Jesus Christ. I know well and good and well who I am outside of Jesus Christ. But I choose to see who I am as a son of God. And when you do that, you come into the realm of his kingdom. Listen, in Hebrews chapter 12, as Paul is winding down his epistle, he says in chapter 12, verse 25 to 29, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. He's talking about God. He's referring to, if you read this in context, you will see, he was talking about when Moses was up on the holy mountain and God spoke and there was lightning and the earth trembled at his voice, at God's voice. And he's running a comparison. And he says, see to it that you do not refuse him, God, who speaks. If they back then did not escape away from him who warns us um, when they, sorry, if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we? If we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. At that time, way back then in Moses' day, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is, created things. So that what cannot be shaken may remain. God says he's going to shake the heavens and the earth. The Bible tells us, prophets tell us in other places, there will come a time where the constellations will shake. The earth will shake. NASA tells us that the earth is increasing in its tremors, not just earthquakes, it is shaking. And it is moving off of its axis. And as we head towards the last days just before Jesus returns, that will increase. The prophets say that stars will fall from the skies. You and I, we won't be here because that's, we will be raptured before the wrath of God comes on the earth. Amen. But the Bible declares very clearly mountains will tremble and collapse and be no more. And there'll be earthquakes in the middle of the oceans. We know them as tsunamis and islands will disappear. Once more, God will shake heaven and earth. 
But we go through shakings in life. Maybe the party you wanted to take control of the White House didn't take control of the White House. This is not a political message as always. I talk to you as Americans, as fellow Americans, because sometimes we put too much credence in what our government can do for us. Don't be dependent on the government of man. Be dependent on the government of Jesus Christ. And so there will be shakings. If you remember, well, let me read it. Verse 28, he goes on and he says, he concludes that moment of subject with this. Therefore, God's going to shake everything that can be shaken so that the things that can't be shaken will remain. Did you know that there is, they study how to build earthquake-resistant buildings? God wants to create earthquake-resistant children. He wants sons of God who will stand in the midst of the most violent shaking and they will stand firm in their faith and lead the way while others are in confusion, while others are fainting, while others are having heart attacks. He wants the church of Jesus Christ, which is made up of every man and every woman who is born again. He wants the sons of God to reveal to the earth that the sons of God are standing firm in their faith and can lead the way. Amen. So in verse 28, he says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I'm going to read it again. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You were taken out of the kingdom of darkness. Today, if you've asked Jesus in your heart, you are in the kingdom of God and the government is on Jesus Christ. And the Bible says this is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The enemy can roar, he can huff, he can puff, he can do whatever he wants, but the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. Therefore, the citizens of that kingdom need not be shaken. He says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. How should we be while the world is going crazy? How shall we be when we look at America and we're seeing things that we wouldn't have imagined? How shall we be? How shall we be when what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right? How shall we be as men rise up in anger and they make threats? How shall we be? We should be at peace and full of praise and thankful like many of you have been saying. While the world is shaking, faithful is the man who stays in faith in who God is. Amen. Absolutely. Let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God, I love this last line, for our God is a consuming fire. 
That's almost like the taunt. God says to the devil, you want to challenge my kingdom? You want to shake up my kids? I'm reminding them that they belong to a kingdom that is unshakable. And don't forget, I am the consuming fire. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want you to enter into the understanding of the kingdom of your Savior. A couple of weeks ago, I broke down that word, Savior, in the Greek is soter, a Savior, a deliverer, a preserver. That's what it means in the Greek. And the word soter comes from the word soter. Uh, sorry, soter comes from the word sozo. And a Savior sozos. A savior, sozo means to deliver, to protect, to heal, preserve, save, and be made whole. So the soter, the savior, delivers, preserves, he comes to save, to heal, to be made whole. That's the kingdom you live in. Now you can come here to grace and faith every Sunday, but until you clothe yourself with the understanding of how incredibly big God is. And until you clothe yourself with the conviction, I am a child of God, and I have not only been saved from my sin, but I have been made an heir and a co-heir. And where do I live? I live in the heavens above the God of this world. I have jurisdiction. I have authority that trumps his power. I live in a realm that is far above him. And I am seated not just with Jesus Christ. I am seated in Jesus Christ. And Jesus assured us that he is in the Father. Praise God. I'm going to close with this. Psalm 23. Now we all know Psalm 23. But I want to talk about just one aspect of Psalm 23. It says in Psalm 23, starting from verse 1 to verse 6, a phenomenal psalm. I think too many Christians, they read it, instead of putting on their reading glasses, they put on their religious glasses. And we can almost read this to a, to a sing-song uh, uh, rhythm without getting the revelation of what's really being said. I love Psalm 91 because it talks about that in the day of distress, a thousand might fall at my left hand and 10,000 at my right hand and it won't come near me. But many Christians don't realize that Psalm 23 is equally powerful and equally protective as Psalm 91. In Psalm 91, it says that those that trust in their God will shelter in the comfort of the Almighty, and He will command His angels concerning them. But when it comes to Psalm 23, we've equated it with a funeral service. I want to tell you that Psalm 23 is the roar of the Lion of Judah because He's the shepherd that David is talking about. And this is how it reads, the Lord, Messiah, Yeshua, the Christ, the anointed one, is my shepherd. He's my savior. He's my soter. 
He comes to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, and to make whole. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul because sometimes I get out of my head and I get full of fear. And so he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Do you know, a shepherd has a rod and a, a staff. On one side, it's just a straight rod, and on the other side, it's, it's got a hook. And sometimes he uses it on the sheep. He taps them on the butt to keep them moving in the right direction. Sometimes he'll use the hook and pull their neck this way. But do you know that a shepherd also uses his rod and his staff to fend off the wolves? And so David is saying, <laughs> I love it, your rod and your staff, your weapons of war give me great solace. Your weapons of war comfort me. The fact that you will go to war for me and you will beat the living daylights out of the enemy, that comforts me. I don't know about you, but it comforts me. Knowing that God is as big as he is, knowing that the enemy is a fallen, created creature, and knowing that the weapons of war in God's hands are more powerful than the nuclear and atomic weapons that the world has ever amassed. It gives me comfort to know when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I have a shepherd. In the middle of a famine. Did you hear me? If you believe this shepherd, if you believe he's your shepherd, will you please rip this out of your religious thinking and break it down and make it real? David says, you will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the middle of a famine, you will provide a feast for me. I love it. He goes on and says, yeah, can you imagine having a banquet while your enemies are all around watching? So there's tribulation. So what? So there's a perfect storm. So what? I told you last week, Peter was the only one who was willing to get out of his safe zone and be where Jesus is. Sometimes the safest place in the natural isn't the safest place in the spiritual. Peter was more safe on the water with Jesus than the disciples were in the boat. And we need to get our minds into gear and enter the realm of God's kingdom, understand and fill our mouth and fill our mind and fill our heart with the faith that says, I live in a kingdom behind enemy lines and this kingdom cannot be shaken. David literally said, God's going to prepare a feast 
a banquet for me in the middle of the storm, in the middle of my enemies, in the middle of all those lying dogs who want to take me down. God will lay out a banquet table. It hurts me, it disappoints me that so often we read the word of God and we separate it from reality. Don't do that. If you are simple enough as a child to let the word of God be your reality, then what's out there will stop being your reality. And what's in God will become your experience. Now watch this. He says, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. There are Shepherds would anoint the sheep with oil. He starts this by talking about the Lord as my shepherd. The shepherd would anoint a sheep's head with oil. David knew this. He started as a shepherd. He was a shepherd boy. The youngest, youngest in his father's house. <laughs> While the older sons were sent to war, David was looking after sheep. But God was training him how to be faithful in little. And one day he raised him up to be faithful in much. So what are some of the things that David did that taught him how to be a man of God? As a shepherd, they, were, they would take oil and they would anoint the sheep's head to the point where the whole head was slicked back. All the wool was slicked back. They had an Elvis Presley look. They, they were grease backs from from their head to their shoulders. There are two reasons why a shepherd would do that. The first, they would cause the wool of the head to be dripping wet with oil so that if the sheep ever got tangled up in the briars, they wouldn't be stuck. Their wool would be anointed with oil and they would be able to shake themselves free. You see, if the shepherd didn't do that, when the sheep went up to the bushes and the briars foraging for food and berries at times, their wool would get stuck in the branches and they're stuck there and they become easy prey for the wolf. The shepherd anoints the head of the sheep so that they will not be stuck in the briars and become prey for the enemy. I don't know if you realize this, but this morning... I'm rubbing the anointing oil of God's word over your head. Why? Because negative thinking in your head will cause you to get stuck in the briars. And I'm anointing your head with what God says. I'm anointing your head with what the word says. You know what the devil says. He talks to you every second of every minute of every day. Telling you you're an idiot. You're a fool. And how you're going to get fired. And how you're going to lose your job. And this woe and that woe. And all these imaginable fears. That most likely will never eventuate. You know how the enemy tries to anoint your head with his garbage. But today we're allowing the word of God to massage our thoughts. Today we're allowing the word of God how to, to teach us how to enter into the realm of God's kingdom. How to experience it. 
You take these truths and fill your mind with it. You fill your emotions with it until your mouth is filled with it. And it becomes a force that is as powerful and as equal to the force of heaven because it comes from heaven. The word of God comes from heaven and it will break the power of the enemy. And so the shepherd would anoint the sheep's head with oil so that they can't get stuck in the briars. I want you to take this word and I want you to listen to it again through the app. I want you to make sure you've got this picture downloaded in your head. Pass it on to your friends. Do you know the more you repeat a thing, the more you teach yourself the very thing you're repeating? So tell your friends this message. You preach it. You preach it. You don't even have to tell them it came from your pastor. Preach it. I give you authority. Repeat these words. Let them hear refreshing news rather than the news that's in the world. Do you know Wigglesworth was a tremendous man of faith, had a phenomenal gift of healing and evangelism on his life. And Lester Summerall, uh, both are now with the Lord, but Lester Summerall tells the story. He used to visit Wigglesworth when he was living in England Smith Wigglesworth was from England. Lester Summerall was a great preacher here in America. When he was a young man, he was living for a time in England. It was in the middle of World War II. Now, I don't know if you've ever studied World War II, but talk about anarchy, talk about craziness. Every nation, it's as if the heads of nations were possessed with crazy ideas. Study it. In the middle of World War II, here comes Lester Summerall with his top hat, his umbrella, and the newspaper stuck under his arm, and he knocks on uh, Wigglesworth's door, and uh, this great man of faith opens the door and says, you're not coming into my house with that newspaper. And took the newspaper and left it outside and welcomed Smith Wigglesworth to come in. Why? Because he was a legalist? No. He understood a principle. If you take your eyes off of Jesus and you look at the wind and the waves, you're going to sink. We get so full of the news. We have apps for the news. We have the news on our phone. We have it on our tablets. We have it on our computers. We're hearing it on TV. Everywhere we go, we are so full of the news. Hear me, church. Let your head get anointed with oil. Let your head get anointed with oil because the enemy has an anointing too and that anointing will cause your head to get stuck in the briars so that he could take you down. And lastly, I told you that the, the shepherd would literally smear the sheep's head. Why? Literally. Not figuratively, literally. Why? That thick, oily substance. He would comb through their wool and then he would drench it around their eyes, drench it around their nostrils, and rub it around their ears. And the purpose of that was so that the flies couldn't lay their larvae near the eyes or the nose or the ears 
Because the moment the eggs hatched and the larvae started to crawl, they would make their way into the eyes and go to the brain and destroy that sheet. They would go through the ear canal. They would go through the mouth. And so the shepherd would make sure it was all nice and greasy and dripping with anointing oil because it would protect the sheep from what could kill it. Your eyes need to be anointed and they're not going to be anointed with God's anointing while we're full of watching what's happening in the world. Amen. Your ears have to be anointed. Your mouth has to be anointed. Your nose has to be anointed. In this pandemic, people aren't just wearing face masks. Those that service are often wearing shields. Why? Because the virus, the bacteria, that thing can enter through these places, the ear gate, the eye gate, the nose gate, the mouth gate, and infect a person and potentially in this case with the pandemic, on some occasions, take a life. But the enemy is always looking to take a life. How to be unshakable in a shakable world? How to be earthquake-proof? How to be world-proof? Let the shepherd anoint your head. Get into the word. Get into church. Come on back to church. Let's worship. Let the word of God get in you. Let the praises of God be in your mouth and come into the realm of his kingdom where you know that you know that you know the very gates of hell cannot prevail against you. Give the Lord a shout. Come on, let's all stand. Father, we thank you. We praise you. and We give you the glory. Everyone look at me for a moment. I don't want to fall into the category of being the preacher. Sometimes that's a religious role. Let me be like a dad to you. Let me talk to your heart. We could tick today off, okay, another Sunday gone. I never approach Sundays like that. To those of you who maybe haven't been strong in the faith, come on. Now's the time to get ready. Now's the time to be prepared. When I'm in the world, the world gets on me. And then the world gets in me. And then the world comes out of me. But when I'm in the things of God, the anointing of God gets on me. And it gets in me. And then it comes out of me. Hear me, church. This isn't just another Sunday. Let's not be religious in our approach to our walk with God. Hear me. God has anointed me to bring this message to you today. He confirmed and answered my prayer by giving my lead scripture to Pastor Jan. And then Tuesday night, a lady's praying that very thing. And when she asks, where's the scripture? She goes to open a Bible and falls open to that very verse. That's Irma, this man's wife, okay? That's the confirmation of the Spirit of God. For me, yeah, 
it confirmed to me. But for you to confirm, don't treat this just like another Sunday. Hear the word of the Lord. Make ready, make strong your steps, your position in life. Push into Jesus. Grab hold of the Savior of this great salvation. And for those of you who have, let your hearts be filled with joy that even though we live in a world of darkness, the one who died for us is the one who stands up and fights for us. Hallelujah. I take comfort in his rod and his staff. And I take comfort in the consuming fire of God. He will torch our enemies. <laughs> and I'm not talking about people. Because we wrestle not against people. Uh, sometimes there's a person or two I want to wrestle. But I got to get back in the spirit and realize it's not people we wrestle. It's principalities of darkness. Amen. So hear me today. Whether you're on live stream you're here in this building if you've walked away from God you need to come back come on your head stuck in the burr in the briars and a wolf is sizing you up come on get into the word how do you get your head anointed while your head stuck in the briars start getting into the word and let the spirit of God speak to you and he'll that anointing will help your your head to shake free Get back into the house. Get back into the Word. Get back into the understanding of who God is. He is not a wimp. He is not old. He might be the ancient of days, but He is as sharp as He ever was. The perfect storm could come, but in the perfect storm, I keep my eyes on the perfect one who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Hear this. Today's not just another day to mark off. All right, I did my due diligence, went to church. Let the word of God get into you. Understand, before I preach, there's a process of God speaking for you. How many of you would want to come to my house and eat a meal with me. Some of you have heard about my cooking, right? But if all I did was take a can from the Walmart supermarket shelf and a can opener and open it up, and here you are, you're come to my house for a meal, and I just dump the contents of that can on your dish, are you going to come back for seconds? <laughs> Probably not. Do you honestly think God will take a can off a supermarket shelf? No, there was a process to this message because he wants to engage you, because he wants to nourish you. Please hear the word of God. It is the word of God. Storms are coming. Get ready. Be strong. We need people who are unshakable to show the way to the ones who are shaking. 
This is the church's great moment of opportunity to be the light and be the salt and lead thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you have not asked Jesus Christ in your heart, or if you've walked away, you're backslidden. Today, the Soter wants to save you, heal you, set you free. Every eye closed. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart or you've walked away and you want to come back, raise your hand right now. Come on, now. Raise your hand and say, that's me. Pastor, pray for me. I want to make that commitment. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Everyone repeat after me. Jesus, I'm so glad you love me. And I'm so glad you live inside me. I receive you. I welcome you. I open up to you. Be my Lord and Savior. Live in me and lead me. Forgive me of my sins. I thank you, Jesus. I no longer belong to the kingdom of darkness. I live with you in the kingdom of light. And the government of my life, I put it on your shoulders. I trust you more than I trust me. I receive you today. Amen. Amen. Anyone who has prayed that prayer sincerely today for the first time, please come and see me after the service. Those of you that are watching via live stream, even if it's four weeks later, the Word of God is always now. Contact our office and let us know, and we'd love to send you a free Bible and information that will help you. Church, while the wind blows and the waves roar, and the enemy is trying to nip at our feet. Remember, he's under your feet. And stand up in the name of Jesus. And don't be afraid. Be full of faith. God bless you. God bless you, church. Amen.